DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingda on Tuesday attended the inauguration ceremony of a supporters group made up of academics in Taiwan and abroad. All in all, there were more than 100 scholars at the event, some of great renown. Together, they urged voters to choose the right person. One of the conveners of the group is former health minister Li Mingliang, who is now 87 years old. Let's hear from him. I would like to apologize as I'm really in bad shape. I can't stand up. If I do, I fall down within 10 minutes. So I'm sorry that I'll be speaking sitting down. If we choose the wrong person this time around, there is a very big, big possibility that we will regret the outcome for the rest of our lives. Being a politician is not about owning land. That's what crooks are. That's the KMT's specialty. Politics isn't about scheming and tactics or speculating for monetary gain. Some of our friends have different opinions, but we are all part of this pan-green camp. I would like to please ask everyone to support the DPP, be it by voting for us in the legislative elections or on the party list. It's extremely important. Lai called on undecided voters within the pan-green camp to support the DPP. Other parties in the pan-green camp, such as the Taiwan State Building Party and the Taiwan Solidarity Union, will all put forward their own party list in hopes of winning some seats in the legislature. With just about three weeks to go before the election, Lai is working hard to win votes so the DPP can win a legislative majority. More than 150 cultural workers on Tuesday came together to offer their support for DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde. The workers came from a variety of industries, including architecture, design and music. At the event, Lai reminisced on all the cultural policies he had supported as premier and as Tainan mayor. He said that if elected, he would continue striving for the betterment of Taiwan's cultural industries. More than 150 cultural workers from the fields of architecture, design, music, fashion, film and television have come together in support of the DPP's Lai Qingde, Rosalia Wu and Zhen Shengkai. Lai received a special handmade gift to wish him success in the presidential elections. The outpouring of support reflected Lai's long-standing commitment to culture. Previously, the central government's budget for culture never exceeded more than 1% of the total. But when Lai Qingde served as premier, that threshold was exceeded. We had called for a constitution for cultural workers, a basic law that would be called the Cultural Fundamental Act. The act was introduced by the Ministry of Culture when Lai Qingde was the head of the executive yuan. When I was the mayor of Tainan, I also counted myself as a culture person because Tainan is the number one city in Taiwan. The government's top goal is to have a cultural capital so that any person who goes to Tainan can learn about Taiwan. That would be a source of honor for the people of Tainan. It could also create a sense of identity with the land, with Taiwan, that we are all the owners of this land. After that, I joined the Executive Yuan. The first time that I went to the Legislative Yuan for an interpolation session, I wanted to report on policy implementation. I had five visions, and the first one was to boost Taiwan's culture. Lai reminisced on his times as Tainan mayor and premier when he made efforts to promote Taiwan culture. He added that Taiwan should become a country of culture. 
I deeply believe that culture is the soul of democracy. We should build our country on culture. Our technology is great. It's like a pair of wings that can take Taiwan everywhere. It's also something that allows us to compete with others. But culture is our root, our face. If we had technology but no culture, nobody in the world would know who Taiwan is. In the future, I hope we can work together to make Taiwan better and better. Lai urged voters to pick the right candidate that will set Taiwan on the right path. He says that if elected, he will continue to work hard for Taiwan's cultural industries. The first televised policy presentation for the 2024 presidential elections will be hosted by FTV on Wednesday. On Tuesday, Central Election Commission head Li Jingyong headed to the TV station for a rehearsal, as he will be emceeing the event. He walked through all the checkpoints, inspecting every detail of the preparations. Li listened to presentations from staff as he made his way around the facilities. He stopped by the registration desk, the lounge, the hair and makeup room, the restrooms, and finally, the studio itself. On Wednesday, the three presidential candidates will share a stage for the first time laying out their vision for Taiwan. Some topics bound to come up are people's livelihoods, the cross-strait service trade agreement, trade barriers, and national sovereignty. Now we're going to meet a farming couple in Zhanghua who have turned their business around. 16 years ago, Tsai Kunzong was a very good sweet potato farmer and totally lost with sales. But all that changed when he married his wife, Liu Caihong. China-born Liu applied her canny marketing skills to the farm, and before long business was booming. We spoke to the happy couple who giggled over their story of a city girl who moved to a farm overseas. Steam rises from freshly baked sweet potatoes. Sweet and tender, they seem to hit the spot. It's really good. We came to this farm where they bake them on the spot on a charcoal fire. It's great, so soft and sweet. This one is Taiwan number 57 variety. We also have number 66. Number 57 tastes squishier and sweeter. Number 66 is a bit firmer because it has a taste a bit like a carrot. Both varieties have their own unique flavour and texture. A sweet potato farmer, Liu Tsai Hong, explains. The flavour depends on if it's summer or winter. The winter flavour is a bit more watery, a bit squishy, fragrant and sweet. It's good for making sweet potato bowls, soup and rice bowls. And it's perfectly suited for baking too. Sweet potatoes are one of the agricultural specialties here in Dacheng Township. The area of land dedicated to them grows by 20% every year and currently stands at 1,600 hectares. Tsai Kunzung is a specialist sweet potato farmer. Once upon a time he sold just 20 or 30 packs of sweet potatoes a month. Now he sells 200 or 300 a week. That huge sales growth is all down to the achievements of his wife Liu, who moved to Taiwan from China's Guangxi province. She moved from a big city to a very rural place to grow sweet potatoes, and she married me at such a young age. We've been married since she was 18. The city life is very different from the countryside, and she came to farm, so it's, it's really tough work, and it was all for our family and our children. The husband takes care of the farm work, and the wife manages sales and marketing. In the old days, Sai's business had a problem. He could grow the potatoes, but he couldn't sell them. 
Leo transformed that with online marketing. In those days, he could only sell a few dozen bags a month. The shipments were just 30 or 40 bags. I started about 15 years ago, and I started selling sweet potatoes online. Leo is just one of many immigrants who've contributed their skills to Taiwan's economy. With her sales talent, she turned her husband's farm business into a huge success. From 1,500 catties of sweet potatoes sold a month, they now sell 60,000. Several of the world's biggest shipping companies, including Taiwan's three largest, have announced they'll stop traversing the Red Sea. An extremist organization from Yemen is taking advantage of the instability in the Middle East to attack and seize ships in the area. The U.S. has formed an international task force to maintain security in the Red Sea, which is a major thoroughfare for commercial shipping between Europe and Asia. The Yemen-based Islamist organization known as the Houthi Movement, which has support from Iran, is taking advantage of the instability in Israel to attack or seize commercial vessels in the Red Sea. Already, four of the biggest shipping companies in the world have suspended passage through the Red Sea. On Monday, oil and gas giant BP announced it would follow suit. The Houthis today claiming responsibility for an attack on a ship in the Red Sea. The USS Kearney quickly responding to the ship's distress call. On Monday alone, four attacks were reported in the Red Sea. The U.S. says it has formed an international task force to patrol the South Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden and defend the security of vessels sailing in the area. So in the Red Sea, we're leading a multinational maritime task force to uphold the bedrock principle of freedom of navigation. Iran's support for Houthi attacks on commercial vessels must stop. The members of the task force include the UK, Canada, France, Italy and the Netherlands. These attacks are reckless, dangerous and they violate international law. And I would remind you that this is not just a US issue. Uh, this, is, this is an international problem, and it deserves an international uh, response. If the area becomes a no-pass zone, vessels sailing between Europe and Asia would have to travel all the way around Africa's southernmost point, the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. Is that most of these attacks really affect the distribution of commercial traffic through the Suez and through the Red Sea into the uh, Gulf of Aden and into the Indian Ocean. Taiwanese shipping companies Yangming Marine Transport, Wanghai Lines and Evergreen Marine say that amid security concerns, they will stop sailing through the Red Sea for now. Experts say the impact on trade will likely last until February 2024. The Ministry of Health and Welfare is upgrading its tech to make prescriptions go virtual. The prescriptions will be available on the government's app and can be picked up at pharmacies by simply scanning a QR code. Let's hear from the National Health Insurance Administration. We upgraded it to become a virtual card, a virtual NHI card that can be stored on your phone. On the back end, it needs to get loaded with a prescription before you can go collect the medicine. Usually, that's done with paper. But in the case of chronic prescriptions, which last three months, losing the paper means the patient has to go see the doctor again. So, we have planned everything out. It has a QR code that stores the digital prescription on your phone. The virtual prescriptions will first have a trial run in Hualien County next year. By introducing a platform with digital prescriptions and signatures, the government hopes to provide a seamless experience for the general public. 
an Italian gelato maker in Taiwan has won praise for his innovative vegan gelato. Mirko Picerno won a prestigious nod from the global vegan guide Happy Cow two years in a row for a soy milk-based gelato. He started the business after moving to Taiwan eight years ago and worked hard to develop the traditional art of gelato without any dairy. Mirko Picerno arrived in Taiwan eight years ago to meet up with Taiwanese friends who he had studied with together in Australia. He was impressed by the vegan culture in Taiwan, and that's when he started to dream of this business. A lot of people, they are vegan, vegetarian, in the Taiwanese culture, some for the religion, some for their own choices. So we decided to let our ice cream be available for everybody. Not only vegan or vegan or uh, normal. Everybody has to be uh, able to enjoy a good ice cream that has no limitations. Italian gelato is different to American ice cream. It has a lower milk fat content. Gelato makers also fold less than half the volume of air bubbles into the recipe than ice cream makers. That creates a delicate, fine texture and a strong and impressive flavor. Picerna wanted to create a vegan ice cream with no dairy products. Seven years ago, it occurred to him to use soy milk, but it was not an easy product to develop. Traditional soy milk from the market, the one that some uh, Taiwanese friend was suggested to me, was not easy to storage. So after one or one day maximum, was getting worse. So it was not suitable for us. And the flavor was uh, too light. Yeah, it was not strong enough for our product. So we tried many different other type of soy milks. And uh, finally, we find a good one. Step by step, the gelato has won more and more recognition. In both 2021 and 2022, Picerno's gelato was named one of the top 10 vegan ice creams in the world by international vegan guide Happy Cow, and it was the only Asian business in the top 10. So it was like a beautiful surprise, and uh, we were so proud, and we were thinking that uh, finally our hard work and dedication was uh, paid off. So we were feel like, wow, you know, it's a dream come true. Picerno's impressive journey has been achieved through focus, dedication, and commitment to the vision. Now, his sweet results are undeniable. And now we take you on a tour of a culinary delights by the hand of award-winning pastry chef Nicolas Bussin. With a career spanning 40 years, the French chef is renowned for giving a modern twist into classic desserts. He's cooked up a set of limited edition treats for a hotel in Taipei. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Bussin to find out more about his desserts and career. When I make a cake, I always think about uh, the cake must stay maybe one, one day or maybe two days on the display. Nicholas Poussin explains how he made this delectable black forest cake made of a dark chocolate mousse filled with chocolate powder and cherry liquor. The cake is topped with a delightful blend of whipped cream, cream cheese and sour cream. Black Forest is not a new cake uh, because it's a classical. Everybody in France uh, makes this, but it's another way to think about uh, a cake, a Black Forest cake, because it's less alcohol. I push a little bit uh, the, the chocolate power. Uh, for the dairy whipped cream, I use a little bit cream cheese, sour cream, 
cream, not too fat, and of course regular whipped cream. I did a mix to have a balance between uh, acidity, dairy taste, lightness, and uh, about the chocolate, I took uh, chocolate a little bit, not too much acid, a little bit strong, and uh, I make a very light mousse about the biscuit. It's a regular biscuit with a little bit butter and of course choco cocoa powder inside. There's also this mini matcha yozu finger, a blend of French pastry techniques and Japanese ingredients. I try to do something with matcha for us. In uh, Europe, it's not common to use matcha. Now a lot of people know matcha, but it's difficult to to have the so to choose to find a good matcha powder. Then after to make uh, the good recipe, so I did a very light ganache, not too fat, just a little bit, not sweet at all. And like this, I have a very silky ganache. And uh, I put some yuzu on the top a little bit just to do the balance, yuzu compote, to do a balance between the herbs of flavor uh, of matcha and the acidity of uh, yuzu and I put on the bottom something a little bit crunchy with white chocolate like this I have a very silky mousse and I have something crunchy I have a contrast and after at the end I have the acidity of yuzu. The French pastry master is in Taiwan to promote the desserts he created for a Taipei hotel which includes a limited edition afternoon tea set in collaboration with Japanese chef Ryuji Yoshira. Busin and his team created the sweet treats in the set while Yoshida focused on the savory foods. He says one of his favorite creations is the mint Mont Blanc chestnut cho. One it's a Mont Blanc, uh, Mont Blanc chestnut shoe. Uh, because it's very original, you, you can get the real flavor of chestnut because the recipe is really good. At the age of just 22, Busin was tasked with dessert preparation at a Michelin star restaurant in Paris. Trained by France's top craftsmen, he's become an expert in the techniques of decoration and artistic pastry. Busin has traveled around the world both to share his passion for patisserie and to judge culinary competitions. In the year 2000, he was awarded the prestigious title of Malheur Auvergne de France in recognition of his exceptional skills. He is currently the executive chef at Le Maison de Celle. With a keen eye for design and innovation, he's passionate about giving classic pastries a fresh twist. I always say about my pastry, I always say uh, it's a traditional pastry with a modern evolution. Because I told you before, when I make a cake, a traditional cake or I try to understand why it was a success in the past. Then after I try to find a new way to think about the technical recipe, less fat, less sweet, more flavor. Then after I work on the, on the design to have something maybe a little bit more trendy, more modern. So I try to do the balance like this. Usually it's always like this. I think about something classic, then I try to find a new way in the evolution of the, of the pastry. Having visited Taiwan several times already, Busan says he loves people, culinary scene, and creative atmosphere here. I really love your, your country. Uh, people are so nice and it's very interesting uh, for me to come because you have a lot of different style of pastry or bakery. So when I come uh, in your country, uh, I always learn and 
it's always interesting pastry chef from Taiwan they have a lot of ID and the level is really high now I, the competition is really difficult and I came have been come maybe four five times six times maybe in Taiwan since uh, 10 years and uh, I really like it. really I like the food people are so nice so with more than 40 years of experience under his belt, Busan says the key to his success was his childlike curiosity and passion for experimentation. I'm like a, like a child when I, am with, when I am with my team and we have to do a, a photo shooting with a new recipe. I'm really excited. I, how our job is really... It's amazing because we can we work and we create and uh, it's like a game, you know. It's not a job; it's a game. And I'm really happy because uh, in a, when you are in a pastry room, you can meet uh, young guys, they have the passion too, so you forget age. You do just talk about new creation, new ideas. So, and it's always as if I have a, a team. I have a s four. Four people in my team, they are around uh, 30, 30 years old. It's amazing to work together because I can exchange with them because uh, now I'm a little bit old. So my job is to give them my experience. Busan says he is fortunate to have a job that he truly loves. He says his goal is to continue to create healthy, innovative and tasty desserts for his patrons while mentoring the next generation of pastry chefs. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yen Kai in Taipei.